So, um, but anyways, <laughs> um, I I was going to share testimony, but then I thought, well, I'm going to have the mic later, so might as well just wait. <laughs> but I am I am thankful for family. I am so thankful. Today is my parents' 40th anniversary, and uh, so I just praise the Lord for their faithfulness and their love to one another, and raising my brother and I, and getting through that, <laughs> and, and still being together. So I just I really do praise the Lord for them and their their Christian love love and faithfulness. And uh, then also my wife's birthday is tomorrow too, and she's not in here, uh, but we celebrated that today. And uh, we were without her because she was on the retreat. And boy, it sure makes us so appreciative for a wife and a mother, doesn't it, boys? Yes. Um, don't eat on time. You eat frozen stuff that thaws in the oven or the microwave. And so anyways, or fast food. They didn't mind that part though. But I uh, do just praise the Lord for my wife, and I know a lot of um, men probably felt that way too as their, their wife was gone or some of the kids with their mother. But uh, if you would, open your Bibles to James chapter 5. James 5, I want to finish out um, this book, and I know some of you that, you know, it doesn't mean as much uh, as far as finishing out this book, but uh, this was what I was hoping to do in the Sunday school class, and then we switched topics. And so I had the privilege of being able to do it on a Sunday night. But Hebrews chapter 5, um, in the last couple verses there, Hebrews 5.19. Before we read the scripture, though, I, I, I just want to tell you about a story. Years ago, when I was in high school, um, we lived in northeastern Montana. Uh, the last two years of high school, I was in Billings, Montana. How many of you have ever been to Billings, Montana? Okay. Maybe took I-90, and then um, you can take I-94 and go up through North Dakota and go up kind of a, a northern route. And I think that goes over somewhere east. But um, anyways, um, we went back to visit my grandpa. My grandpa lived in a little town called Culbertson and took that up there. And then we go to uh, a little town um, and we get off the interstate and we get on a, a two-lane highway. And much, a lot of Montana's two-lane two highways. But I remember specifically, I was still a young driver. My dad was giving me practice driving on the interstate. And I remember at that time, the, the speed limit was reasonable and prudent in Montana, which really absolutely didn't totally make sense because every car was different, different tires, different weather. Um, you just just didn't know really how fast you could go. But I remember um, passing this one car, and this car was just a beater. The back window didn't even have glass in it. It had like plastic on it and duct tape around it, you know. And, and I remember passing him and then he passed me and we passed each other a few times. And then we pulled off on that uh, two-lane highway going up towards Sydney, Montana. And uh, I remember it was just kind of the sun was starting to go down. And at that point, he, he apparently thought his car was more better or he was a better driver or something. He could go quicker. And so he, he got far ahead of me and, and I said, okay. No problem. Um, but as we went along, we got we started going and going pretty soon. There's something was just not right. It was just starting to get dark and there was lights and things. And I don't know if we had stopped or what, but this is probably half an hour later. We come up to and there's a bunch of cars uh, all at a standstill and there's people out on the side of the road. And so we stopped and we got out and I was amazed to see that the car that I had passed a few times was flipped over and there was a guy laying out the back of that window, which was actually plastic. And I remember my dad and I going over there and someone else was trying to get a hold of the uh, ambulance police. I think someone maybe had a cell phone at that time and they were calling and here my dad and I were right there with the gentleman. 
And here I am like holding his head. And all he is saying is he's saying, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. Please tell my daughter that I love her. Whoa, I was just in shock. I'm holding him and I'm saying, I'm saying, you know, Jesus loves you. I'm starting to pray with him and talk to him. We're saying the ambulance is going to be here soon. We didn't want him to go in shock and, and just praying for him. And I remember when the ambulance came, they immediately took over those personnel. And I just, I just was pushed away. And, and I never got to see that man again. And I never, I, I didn't even know the results of what happened to him, whether he did live or die. I think he would have lived. He, he did have some blood on him. But praise the Lord, the back window was, was broken. It was, it was just plastic. But he had flipped that apparently, didn't have a seatbelt on, and he was laying out the back of his vehicle. And I, I'll never forget that of what a picture that was to come upon an accident like that and to actually get in there and get your hands dirty and try to help somebody to help them to stay conscious for the ambulance to come to really try to rescue that person. And folks, this evening, whether you know it or not, we are, we are part of God's plan to rescue others. Now, I don't have the physical ability just like, or the training just, uh, I'll be careful with that word, but I don't have the, the ability to literally save somebody just like I didn't then. I didn't know what to do as a high school student. I just held them and prayed with them. That's all I knew what to do. But God has the ability to use us in his operation of rescuing others. In the last two verses of this book, James really abruptly ends the book here. And he says in verse 19, he says, Brethren, if any of you do err or err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death. And shall hide a multitude of sins. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray tonight that you'd help each one of us to see that we have been rescued through Jesus Christ. Lord, if there's someone here tonight that is wandering, is is going their own way, is is, uh, maybe not even saved, doesn't even have that saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I pray you draw them to to yourself and that they might come to know you as their personal savior. Lord, there might be some that are wandering here tonight. They've they made a profession of faith, but really not that close, intimate walk. And sin is creeping at the door. And, and there's just all these temptations. And they're wandering and they're going astray. Lord, I pray tonight you do a work in hearts that you might just prick this person and help them to have that vital relationship with the Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray tonight that you'd help each one of us to see that we are a part of your rescue plan. And Lord, that you use fallen creatures, fallen people to go and to share the gospel and to encourage and 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 even at times to to help people along in their journey. And sometimes just just to go and literally talk to them and help people to see their sin and to help them to get back in a right relationship with you. So, Lord, I pray that you would just help us to see tonight You are a God that loves us and you're a God that's about rescuing lives and delivering us from sin and changing us and using us for your glory. I pray, Lord, you be glorified now. I pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Just two verses here, the last part of this book. And I want you to see just really three, three parts to this Operation Rescue this evening. I want you, first of all, to see the dying patient. Okay, 
It says here, this is a hypothetical statement or some truths here. This, he's, James probably is not thinking about anybody in particular. There's no names here. There's nobody that he said earlier in this book. He just, in, in, in the Greek here, it's in the subjunctive, which is the idea it might happen, or the idea is it's probably going to happen someday. And, and we know that by experience that, um, that people will, uh, once they either have a relationship with Christ, they'll, they'll, They'll be led astray or they'll go astray from the Lord. Okay. Uh, there's several different ways to kind of interpreting these passages. But I think tonight the dying patient right away, as you see there in verse 19, he says, brethren, if any of you do err. So right away, as I look at that, I would believe that he's talking about somebody that probably is saved. He says, if any of you do err. So he's talking about somebody that's part of the church there and he called them brethren. So the idea is that is somebody that has put their faith in Jesus Christ, but they're being led astray. They're they're going their own way. They're turning from God. They're not in that vital relationship with the Lord. And this person is is really going down a way that is deceiving. Okay, it's probably a professing believer, but not close with the Lord. And truly, if it's if it is somebody that is lost that he's talking about here, what's What's really in a lot of ways, there's he needs to be rescued too. They both need that rescue. And ultimately, the person that doesn't know Christ needs to be rescued from hell. The person that is a professed believer needs to be rescued really for the rest of their life, to change their life and to to help them so that they can get back on track and live for God. But this idea here where it says, be led away if you do err or err, that word that that word there has the idea of being led astray. Literally, it means abandoning what is true and committing oneself to error has the idea of being deceived. This is a a gradual descent, a gradual slope. It's like the idea of a sheep that's wandering around and wanders just ends up wandering off. That's why sheep need shepherds, because they need to be crowded at times. They need to come in the fold because the sheep will just wander, go where they think the grazing is, go where the best part is. And that's what he's talking about. That's the idea of you do err there. Someone, someone wrote of a uh, school teacher. She lost her life savings in a business scheme that had been elaborately explained by a swindler. When her investment uh, disappeared and her dream was shattered, she went to the Better Business Bureau. Why on earth didn't you come to us first? The official asked. Didn't you know about the Better Business Bureau? Oh, yes, she said, sadly. I've always known about you, but I didn't come because I was afraid you'd tell me not to do it. You see, the folly of human nature is that even though we know where the answer lies in God's word, we don't turn there for fear of what it will say to us. You see, the Bible is very clear that our hearts can deceive us. I always cringe when I hear a song or hear someone say, oh, I just I just just trust your heart. Follow you know, follow your heart and and look to that. And, and, and there is some part where God can change our dreams and our desires. But ultimately, who do you want to follow? You want to follow God because our, our hearts and things that can be fickle. Our feelings, really, our feelings need to be guided. And it needs to be a result of right living for God, not that it's going to guide us. And so it's very easy for someone to be deceived and to go the way that seems right in their own eyes but it's really leading to a path of destruction, really leading to a path of problems. And, and you've probably seen this. You've seen this maybe in your family or somebody you know where you've, you've seen them where they start getting away from God's word and they start, 
They start going their own way and they, they're less and less in church and pretty soon they're in sin. And, and you talk to them and they just justify these things. Oh, it's, you know, it's no big deal. I, you know, I worship God in the mountains or I or, you know, I, I, I've read the Bible. Why do I need to read the Bible again? When I was a kid, I memorized all those verses. I met somebody door to door. He was probably in his 80s. And he said, you know, when I was younger, I went to the uh, he said DVBS. Daily Vacation Bible Schools, two weeks. I got an award for memorizing scripture. I still have the Bible today. And I said, wow, that's that's great. I said, do you still read the Bible? Oh, no, I you know, I got that award and I did all that when I was younger. And I thought, OK, you missed it. OK, you didn't didn't quite get it there years ago in, in Vacation Bible School. You see, the heart is so deceitful. And that's why, really, we've got to be in the Word of God and we've got to be wanting to grow and, and growing closer to our God. And really, this idea is somebody that has lost a vital relationship with God. It says there in verse 20, it says, it talks about the sinner from the air of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. You see, the idea here, and I said it's not just a patient, but it's a dying patient. You see, every one, of, every one of us is on a path to death physically. We are, right? Our bodies are, are getting older, and there's two, at least two things that are getting older, right? <laughs> We're having issues. But surely, isn't this what James already said? He said, because of sin, mankind's going to die one day, and ultimately, mankind deserves spiritual death. In fact, I want you to go to the beginning of James, James 1. <clears throat> James 1 verse 13, James says, let no man say when he's tempted, tempted to sin, I am tempted of God for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lusts and enticed. The idea there is that he's allured, he's being drawn away. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin and sin when it is finished bring it forth death really we see there it's the illustration is like conception to birth he says in verse 16 same word here do not err or do not be led astray my beloved brethren you see when we start dabbling with sin and we start doing these things that are wrong pretty soon these things can really have a huge effect on us, a huge effect on a person. But ultimately, sin brings death, doesn't it? I'm not saying someone can lose their salvation, but I think somebody that professes to know Jesus Christ and they're not living for God and having their faith in God like they were at one time in that close, intimate relationship with the Lord, they have to question whether they truly know Christ as their Savior. Did you hear me? Because when you're when you're not walking with God, you really don't have that. It's very hard to have that um, assurance of salvation. Now, don't get me wrong. Our salvation is not based on our works. It's based on Jesus Christ and him alone. But don't you think if if it comes so much that we're out of church and out of the things of God and not in his word, don't you think that we've really just lost sight of our, our savior and what he's done? Now, I'm not to say it can't happen. I truly believe in the end of James here that it's talking about a saved person that's led astray. The idea of Israel where they're backslidden. 
But I think you have to question. To question whether this person really knows the Lord. Not, not that we totally question, but that person needs to question their relationship with Jesus Christ. But we see here in this passage that sin and temptation, ultimately sin brings forth death. Sin brings forth death. And so there is this, <clears throat> there is this, um, this path of destruction. In First uh, John chapter 5, we read in the Bible there that it says that there is a sin unto death. All right. And, and truly, I think the sin unto death is someone rejecting Jesus Christ. There's eternal death for the person that does not ever trust Jesus Christ. The blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is truly rejecting who Jesus is and not putting your faith in Christ and, and rejecting the things of God. But there are, don't get me wrong, there are certain sins that lead to physical death. There's th- certain things that we can do to our body that can bring us on the way. When we're, when we're being deceived, there can be a path where a person is really on a path to his own physical death and early death. Now, God's in control there, but ultimately there is consequences for sin. Um, years ago, my dad worked on the railroad up on the high line of uh, northeastern Montana. It got very cold there, very, very cold. Um, there were times uh, he'd have to go out of work at night, like 3 in the morning he'd get called because the rail actually would snap and break. And there would be spots where the railing had shrunk so much and it split that, that literally you'd have gaps that were like that much. And that could cause a derailment. And so he'd had to go out at times like that. Well, one time he got called out. It was early in the morning and it was cold. I don't know if it was that cold. But he didn't know exactly what he was going out. When he called, he found out that there was a bunch of cattle that had gotten out on the rail track and uh, they were all out there, and it was dangerous for these cows to be out there. But when he got there, he realized there was like three bulls, and the rest were cows, and that a train had already hit a bunch of them. And they just, what did they do? They found an opening in the fence, and they went through it, really, to their own, their own death. It was quite a sight. Um, do you know how hard it is to kill a bull? <laughs> That's almost, it was pretty, pretty sad. That's why it sticks in my mind. Um, but some of those bulls were worth thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And uh, I think they had insurance. But, you see, that's the idea. When we play with sin, sin will bite us back. Sin will hurt. There is the dying patient here. Aren't you thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ, though? Because ultimately, the wages of sin is death. But Jesus, he became our substitute on that cross. He died in our place. He took our condemnation. He took our judgment so that we would not have to take that. He rose from the dead, conquering death, conquering sin. If you know Jesus as your Savior, you, you, you have a place in heaven. You have a citizenship in heaven. This world's not your home. The, the body that's corroding and perishing, one day you'll have a glorified body. We can praise the Lord for the glorious gospel. And we are not better than anybody else. We are simply saved by God's grace. But when you get saved by God's grace, you become part of his family. You're a child of the king. You're a joint heir of God. And you're part of God's family. And folks, we ought to love each other enough to go and to help one another to get back on the right track. To go and help those folks that see the the fence that's broken and they're going over and they're starting to play with sin and things, as this passage says. I want you to see, um, turn to 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy 1.18. 
Here's an example of some some people that started to go against the things of God and left the faith. First Timothy one eighteen, we read um, Paul writing Timothy says this charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare, holding faith, grasping onto it in a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme. Wow. They had made themselves shipwreck. Can you imagine? What a vivid picture. Paul was in shipwreck. He ship, had shipwreck. I think three times he was in a shipwreck. One time God told him it would happen. And, and he also told him that if they stayed on the boat, that, that he would help them to land. And God did an amazing thing. But that's the picture there. Can you imagine being out in a storm? Being out with the waves and the wind and, and hitting and you are just, you have no foundation. You have no security. Your way is lost. Are you going to live? Are you going to die? The picture is here that um, God has taken off all restraint of Satan to do whatever he would want with these people. I think that's a, a, a true warning for Timothy there. And it's a true warning for us to lay hold of eternal life, to, to fight the good fight as he said here. That we might war a good warfare and have a good conscience because some had made themselves shipwreck. Paul, Paul was a saved individual. He had a shipwreck three times. We have enough shipwrecks, don't we, in our own life uh, where we don't understand and where things come and, and things with our family. We need to see that when we play with sin, when we, when we watch certain things, when we talk about certain things, when we let certain attitudes just keep going in our, in our life and in others' lives, it's like shipwreck. Someone that knows Christ as their Savior can go through these things and can take their eyes off Christ. And the Bible talks about how we not only need to see that there's a dying patient, but we need to see that there's rescue personnel that are needed. If you go back to James, <clears throat> go back there, it, it says, James 19, Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, turning away from the truth of God, from the reality of who God is, and one, convert him. The idea is that this one person is going after him, he's going to find him, and he's going to help him to return, return to God. It says this one person. Notice here, it's just one. It's very generic. The idea is it's not just a pastor going or an elder or a pastor's wife. The idea is it's each one of us, it's individuals in the church of God. When we see somebody that's erring, somebody that is going astray, we ought to in love go approach them and help them. You see, God needs people. He uses people to go rescue those that are making their lives a shipwreck. He uses us. It's not just the pastor. It's the individual. Notice here it says, it says, and any of you, that's that singular, do err from the truth, and one convert him, singular. You notice the infinite value upon an individual soul. It's about this one person. This one person that's going his own way. God puts so much value on that person trying to rescue them. God loves them. God cares for them. 
I don't know about you, but often I'm tempted to sometimes just let them go. I mean, as a pastor, I've seen a lot of people. I've seen a lot of people make themselves shipwreck. I've I've confronted a lot of people and I've and I've tried to show them and I've cried with people, weeped with people. It's very easy as a as a pastor, as somebody where you've seen so many of those, you just kind of lose heart. I'm just being honest with you. And there's times I'm sure each one of us. But what does this passage say? It says what he goes, it says, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way, his way shall save the soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Oh, what a joy it is to see a person get back on track to get right with God, to humble themselves. Oh, the family members, I've been talked about this last week. Praying for lost family members. I don't know how many times I've prayed for for family members of mine. I've prayed for them and I've prayed and boy, I just don't see. And I see them making these horrible choices and putting themselves in horrible situations. And it's like, wake up. But we need to keep praying. Really, if you notice, this whole section's right after what? It's right after that passage on on prayer. Um and really that, that key statement, verse 16, it says, The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Remember, this has the idea of this, this petition, this supplication being fervent, praying specifically for others. And, and a righteous man being a person that is saved and, and is positionally as a child of the king and, and living for God. But it availeth much. There's power in prayer. And if anything... We can go for the person that has gone their own way. They've made themselves, a, their life a shipwreck. They're a dying patient. We ought to be able to pray fervently for them. Believing that there is power in our God to answer prayer. That God can do a work. That He can save an individual. He can change him. That God can do whatever He needs to do to cause that person to come back to Him. We can pray. And truly that is the... That is God's third point is the rescue plan. I want you to go to John 21. John 21, verse 15. A couple Wednesday nights, I talked about Peter. And I talked about um, Jesus' loving look at Peter. Jesus told Peter that you are going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And at that point, only the book of book of Luke talks about how when Peter was there at the courtyard in the rooster crowed and he had denied Jesus three times that Jesus literally looked over at him during all that was going on. That was that loving look. And it was helping him to remember that he said that he would fall. That Jesus said even though you're going to fall, you will get through it. He used that word to be converted. You will be converted. Why don't you go there, Luke? Um, some urge, or, um, I'm sorry. I say. Uh, I said John 21. Can you just put your finger? Um, you put there, and then Luke. I believe it's Luke 22. Yeah, Luke, Luke 22, verse 31. 
I want you to see this because truly the ultimate example of someone rescuing a person that was going there right, was led was led astray as the Lord Jesus Christ. And he did that ultimately by seeking to save the lost and dying on the cross. But here we see what he did with his disciple. Um, first telling him what would come. Verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. Now, converted here, does that mean when he gets saved? Uh, no, he's, he's, he's uh, you know, I don't know all the timing and everything in Peter's life. But the idea is that uh, there was a lot that took place after he rose from the dead. But the converted here probably doesn't mean salvation. It means that returning back to that first love, that relationship with the Lord. He says, when you are converted, strengthen the brethren. He says, you're going to get through this and God's going to use this so that you can be much more of a help to the brethren and to strengthen them. Now go to John. John 21. John 21, 15. Jesus is always seeking the lost. He's always seeking us. We ought to run to him, but he's always wanting to have that right relationship with us. He's always wanting us to be at peace with him. And here we see Jesus just really seeking Peter out. Uh, John twenty one fifteen, it's uh, the Bible says, so when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? And he saith unto him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He hath said unto him, feed my lambs. You see, Jesus sought out Peter and he says, do you love me? Isn't that ultimately the question? Someone that truly has has left their first love, has turned from the Lord and is going the way of the world. It's really a matter of love, isn't it? Usually the person and, and we find ourselves when we're turning away from the Lord and we're going down a path of sin, whether it's in bad attitude or certain thoughts or whatever it is, it's usually because we love who? We love ourselves. I love myself so much and we kind of put Jesus to the corner. And Jesus is saying to Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? And he says what? Yeah, Lord, thou knowest I love thee. And there's some different Greek words here that are used. But ultimately, Jesus says, then go feed my lambs, the smallest of the the sheep there. Verse 16, he says again, a second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, feed my sheep. These aren't the little the little lambs. Now they're the sheep. Again, he's asking that question. And again, a third time, he says, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, no doubt with a reminder that he had rejected Christ three times. Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. And then he goes on. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. That's probably a prophecy of the way Peter would end up dying. Most would say, and we know this from from history, that Peter was, I believe, ended up being crucified. And was it crucified upside down? I can't remember. But 
But here he's, he's just, Jesus is seeking Peter and he's saying, do you love me? Three times. Go, I have, a, I, have a, I have a mission for you. I have a plan for you. Be about this operation of rescuing others and helping these sheep. You see, folks, God uses individuals with, God, with, the, with the Holy Spirit and with Christ living through us to help others to return to the fold. He uses us. When you go to, I know I'm going over now, but let's Galatians six one. Truly, one thing we we can definitely do is we can pray fervently for others. But Galatians six one. It's a wonderful passage in helping others and restoring others. Galatians six one says, "Brethren, if any man be overtaken in a fault, ye." who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest thou also be tempted. The idea is that somebody's overtaken, they're, they're, net, they're caught in the nets, the nets are broken, they need to be mended. You that are spiritual, that doesn't mean that it's certain pastors or things. It means people that are walking with God. You're right with God. He says, in a spirit of meekness, go and confront that person. One other passage, Matthew 7. This is a famous passage, but it's usually just the first two words. Matthew 7, and this is one I think so often is used in a wrong way. Matthew 7, verse 1, Jesus says, I believe this is still the Sermon on the Mount. He says, judge not that you be not judged. Okay, For with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but cannot consider the beam that is in thine own eye? What he's saying there, the idea is that we ought not to be out there judging people's salvation. Okay, Uh, people do things and that's why we need to be very careful when people are away from the Lord. We're not judging their salvation, but we want to lovingly want to help them and help them to grow. And he says, you need to before you can go confront somebody, you need to check to make sure that you're right with God. Sometimes we have eagle eyes and we see people in sin when the fact is we're in huge sin. We're like hypocrites. We're like those Judaizers. We need to get right. But I want you to see this. He says there in in um, in verse four, or how wilt thou say to thy brethren, let me pull out the meat or the moat out of thy, thine eye and behold, a beam is in thine own eye. You hypocrite first cast out the beam out of thine own eye and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the moat out of thy brother's eyes. You see, Jesus does not say here, don't do anything about it. He says, get right. Get that out of your eye. Get that thing that's in the way and then go help them. Trying to help the person that's erring. Uh, One more last verse, I, I promise. Jude 23. I just want you to see these verses. Jude right before Revelation. Second to last book in the Bible. Jude 23. Jude says... And others, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. You see, sometimes we're going to have to get dirty. We even, might even have to get burned as we try to help other people. Have you been burned before by others who tried to help? Yeah. Sometimes we can get scars there, and sometimes it's hard to keep helping people. But because we love God's sheep, because we love God's people because we are a part of this and what a joy it is to see people that have turned back to God 
Now, we can only do so much. Ultimately, it's somebody that has to turn to God themselves. But God uses people that want to be used of him. God, help us to rescue the perishing. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes.